Pro Prep Academy, in partnership with the Heroes in Our Midst podcast, bring to you more than an athlete. Embrace your humanity to unlock performance. This podcast aims to help athletes reach their potential in sport and life through learning from each other and sharing stories. In episode three, Michelle Swatsky Coop, host of the Heroes in Our Midst podcast and 1996 Olympian, sits down with Rick Hankowitz. Rick has spent almost 60 years immersed in the sport of football. Whether as a player or coach, he's been involved at every single level of the game with a dedication to never stop learning. He was the first commissioner of the Winnipeg High School Football League that wasn't an educator, and throughout his time, he's continued to grow the game and mentor the next generation. Well, a pleasure to partner once again with Pro Prep and to be able to chat with a variety of guests that are going to inspire us. And Rick Hankowicz is our guest. And Rick, I'm so excited to be able to talk with you, to hear your stories from the beginning. We want to dig deep and get to know you because a lot of people, I think, have seen what you've done and seen you in charge of things, seen you from a coach's perspective, let's say. Uh, But you've sort of lived through the sport of of football and more, I mean, and, and administration and all that. So uh, I think one of our main aims today is to hear your story and be inspired by every step of the way, be entertained, and just to feel your passion and your joy for the life you've lived in sport. And uh, so I would like to welcome you to uh, our podcast. Well, thank you. I'm very, very honored to be here. I'm surprised to be here. I don't think of it as any other way. <laughs> so Rick, obviously, obviously football is what you've specialized in, but was football the, the, the main sport you played or, or were you like just a sporty kid like so many athletes are? A sporty kid, uh, to be honest, football and lacrosse were very much a toss up. Okay. And, and lacrosse played, um, lacrosse influenced football, a football decision. But um, I, I played hockey, I played basketball, you know, uh, played lacrosse, played football. So just whatever, you know, whatever season it was, we did, you know, um, I played baseball until somebody introduced me to lacrosse, you know, and, and told me this is a better sport because you can hit people with this stick. So I thought this was great. <laughs> All right. So to talk about talk about the playing what are some highlights like and and what kind of an athlete were you were you I mean you're a pretty feisty guy and and you know you you've got some serious passion to you did you always play like that was that just a part of how you're made it is part of how I was made yeah. um and, and yeah um I was feisty um you know I, I I I've been told that you know I never shut up on the field or or on the court and you know, quite honestly, I was told by some people the Pope would have taken a swing at me. You know, so <laughs> I had that ability to get under people's skins pretty good. <laughs> well, that's nice in a, in a in the sports that you chose. That's a, a pretty good skill. Uh, now you were on some pretty dominant teams back in the day, and you know those Sisler teams uh, that you were a part of. Uh, I mean, I know I'm thinking you must love to think back at some of those memories and and talk about those teams. A, what made them so good, and and what are some of the things you remember the most about uh, about your time as a player on those teams? I think. 
what made us good was um, we we were just a bunch of, of North End kids, and um, you know you you go to Sisler and, and and you've got a legend in Coach Frank Bryant. Coach Bryant pushed us hard, very hard. Quite honestly, we we lived for games because they were easier than practices. It, it, it was just a special group of guys who who just played played their hearts out for for you know for the Spartan on the front and not for the name on the back. Everybody was there for everybody, and and just we we just knew everything about each other yeah um quite you know our our 72 team uh, and and some of the guys from the 71 team they we all still get well pre-covid we would get together two or three times a year wow you know just to you know just just to meet and see what's going on and catch up and catch up about families and catch up about this and that you know maybe talk a little bit about some of the past but you know just when you go through it and you understand it's when you go through it you're, you're a brotherhood yeah and, and we really truly were a brotherhood I think Sisler had a dominance, you know, uh, under coach Brian. I mean, he coached 11 years and 10 of the 11 years, his teams made the finals. So there, there was that expectation put on us. Right. And I, I, I wouldn't say it was a pressure, but it was an expectation that we will be there mm-hmm. and we will get to that same level as the guys, you know, that, that were before us and, and establish that same level for the guys coming behind us. So it was just that whole thing. And, and like I say, playing at Sisler was just, we wanted for nothing. You know, the, the program was, was quite honestly the best in the city. So cool. And you talk about expectation, that, but that takes some courage. There's pressure to that, right? Because then you have something to lose. We have a lot to lose. You didn't yeah. want, and, and unfortunately our 72 team broke the win streak. You know, we, we did, we lost our final regular season game to Gordon Bell. We should never have lost. We got cocky. You know, um, we, we did some things that shouldn't have happened in that game. But we got back on the field and we prepped for Gordon Bell to meet them in the playoffs. And it was a completely different story. We just dominated them. So once we lost, that expectation to redeem ourselves became greater. And that's where the pressure that you're asking about, that's where that pressure came in. We had a week-long practice, you know, week week of long practices and hard practices. That, that was not going to happen again as far as Coach Bryant was concerned. <laughs> You know, uh, but everybody just, you know, you had to dig deep and you had to find that that extra ounce of, of, of perseverance and, and, and toughness because we had the skill. That wasn't the issue. So we had to dig deep to find that extra ounce of, of perseverance, toughness and, and just the will to win again. So I think coaches will talk a lot to that about how a timely loss can actually result in, let's say, a provincial championship or the championship that they've won. And I'm guessing back when you think back, you were glad that was a regular last regular season game, not the last playoff game. Well, yes, you're right about that. But we were we were just a beat up team by that point. Mm-hmm. And, and we uh, we beat Gordon Bell in the semis and we lost to St. John's in the finals. And we had opened the season against St. John's and we'd beaten them and dominated them. And we still believe that if we played them 10 times, we'd win nine of the 10. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I, one, one of my best friends played on the St. John's team, Brian Marks, who still likes to send me emails every so often at the bottom where he puts 1972 provincial champs. <laughs> so, you know, it's a little dig and a little reminder and it's that passion and it never dies, right? That's it will he's... never die. No, <laughs> yeah. it will never die. Oh, he'll always have that. He'll always have that. So and he so, does. Yeah. And he lords it over me just so you know. <laughs> 
Hey, Rick. What, so, so what happened after high school? Obviously, you were all in, absorbed in this incredible sport, having such a great mentor in your coach there at, at Sisler. And uh, where did life go for you after that? And and for those who don't know, what positions? Uh, what positions? And what position were you playing in football? I played both ways. A, a lot of times, I played. I played as a running back, but um, I was playing on the corner and safety on defense. I was a punter and I was a place kicker. Wow. So. I ended up after after high school getting um, getting a shot from Simon Fraser. Okay. And uh, they they brought me in as a punter. And and the reason I, I went to Simon Fraser, I had a couple of, uh, of smaller offers and everything else. But the reason I went to Simon Fraser goes back to lacrosse. Okay. I really want to continue playing lacrosse as well. Um, I was good. I, I, I you know I was good, and I wanted to to continue playing and. Simon Fraser had, had allowed that I could play football and then play lacrosse. So I had talked to some of the BC senior A teams and, and not a problem in getting a tryout or, or anything else. And I know once I would have gotten on the floor there, you know, the tryout would have been just a formality. Um, and I know that sounds egotistical, but it's not. <laughs> well, you just knew where you stood, right? And I so, did. Yeah, yeah. So, so then what happens? You, you, Simon Fraser uh, called so, and... So I, I went there and uh, first week of practice, you know, I'm, I'm out there, but they realize I'm also playing as the safety. So they start, you know, working me in at that. Turned out that I had better speed than their tailbacks. So they asked me if I, if I would look at running, at, you know, at, at switching to, to offense and running at tail. And, you know, the dumb thing is you're 18 years old and you think you are invincible. Well, sadly to say we're not. Oh. So it, everything was, uh, was going well. First week of practice was really good. We go into an exhibition game, uh, something Pacific. I can't even remember the team anymore. But we run this counter play, and it's it, 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 it's working to a tee. The hole's there. I hit the hole. The cutback lane is right there. Just as I plant, I got nailed. And he tore the hole knee up completely. Oh. Just it was done. you know. Um, and it's funny because when I got hit, I didn't – I didn't feel anything in the leg for a couple of seconds. And then that fire hit you. I think, you know, which fire I'm talking about, mm-hmm. you know, that I was there, I was in, you know, in, 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 in Burnaby and uh, just kind of, they can't fly me home yet because you know, the knee the way it was. So I was there for about four or five days where I couldn't do anything. I was just sort of there. Then finally they flew me home and um, the bombers had a, a doctor very aptly named Dr. Bruiser. <laughs> I, anyways, I, I, I got off the plane, went, uh, went in a couple of days later, they operated, Dr. Bruiser operated on me legs in traction for about uh, nine to 10 days and everything else. But I remember him coming in a couple of days after the operation and said that, you know, the opera, the knee was a mess and everything else. And that my football career was pretty much done. And, you know, you're an 18 year old kid who's had a dream since he was six of playing pro. You really don't buy that. Hmm. You, you just don't buy it. Right. You know, I got out of the hospital. Um, I mean, I, I had a cast. And again, you, you're, you, you'll probably remember that they used to give you the cast that went from your hip down to your ankle. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. different now. Yeah. <laughs> Very different now. But for six months, I had that cast and I hated every second of it. Wow. That's a long time. It was a long time. Well, might have contributed to it being replaced a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, once the cast got off, then the rehab started. You, do you remember the Orthotron machines? I'm not sure I do. 
I believe the Orthotron machine was a medieval torture device. Oh boy. They, they you, you were on this machine, you were strapped in and, and basically the machine gave you resistance going up and going down and, and you're, you're strapped in your, your, your thigh is strapped to it, you know, so that you can't lift, you can't cheat. And you're on this machine. And, and honestly, Michelle, I think I started crying every time I saw the machine, oh. you know, and until so you, but you, you know, I mean, the machine did what it was supposed to do, that they had strength and everything. And things seemed to be coming along well. Um, you know, I, I basically missed a whole year of everything, but lacrosse season was coming up and I thought, okay, well, I can try this again. Right. Went back and played and everything felt good. Just a few seconds left in the game. Went into the corner to get uh, to get a ball, and the guy hit me from behind. The knee locked. It turned out that there were still some particles that, that were never cleaned out of the knee. Oh man! So I went back and, and and went through it all again, and then rehabbed again. So that that all said and done, I'm still thinking in my mind I can still play. Hmm. And I went to the juvenile Hawkeyes. Um, juvenile is a league that's long gone now. But juvenile is a league of eighteen and nineteen year olds. Okay. And I went there because I thought rather than play junior and find out I can't do it, I'll, I'll, I'll try this league and see if I can still play. Right. And I, you know what? I, I, I did okay. I was well enough, but you know what? The, the punting was still, was still my forte and that's what brought me into the bomber camp. Okay. You know, um, they, they saw I could still punt. They still liked it. Um, and again, uh, I, I got into camp and I kind of conned my way into getting reps at safety again. <laughs> and uh, the things were looking good. Unfortunately, got cut mm-hmm. and um, thought I could go to another team, but I was a territorial protection. And back in those days, territorial protection was just that. So that, um, and I was under Bud Riley. Then Ray Yawk came in. Yeah. And Ray saw me punting to a, a, a gentleman that played for the Bombers, Gary Russ Lowich. And we rode at, uh, at Frank White Community Center. And, you know, Gary wanted me to punt to him. He was just, he was struggling a little bit returning punts. So we were out there and Ray came by and, was watching and again hey you can still punt and everything's on so you know what the, the dream's still there wow so worked out all winter i mean i'm hammering a ball things are looking good went into camp and failed the medical oh and that was that, that was that one done wow so you're kind of just wow so that the the, the football dream is now done right um, but I'm still playing lacrosse and I'm still playing, you know, I'm playing senior men's here in, 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 uh, in Manitoba. Okay. Um, still going strong, you know, uh, probably should have listened to the doctor when he told me my career was done because <laughs> playing in that cement really didn't help matters. I'm sure it didn't. No. And, and you know what, it, 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 it was what it was. And, and you know what, it's what I said, absolutely zero regrets about any part of it. Um, yeah. But to represent Manitoba in some national championships and everything else, wouldn't change any part of anything. The people you meet, uh, the guys that were in those teams are, are again, were just a different breed, just like mm. football was. Uh, yep. Probably nuttier than the football guys were. <laughs> and um, just just kept on going. Wow. Now, now, Rick, who was supporting you through all of this and, and you know, in all of these injuries and rehabs and injuries and rehabs? Uh, I would like to know on both sides, you know, who was supporting through you through all this? And was there anyone saying, you're crazy, man. When you are 70, 80 years old, that you're not gonna be able to walk if you do this. Did you have both sides? And what was your input? Some young athletes are listening and they're going, Yeah, my, you know, my mom keeps telling me, or my dad keeps telling me, or my doctor, or my therapist, or my coach, like 
there's all this input to our young athletes. Mm-hmm. You were a young athlete and, and you were doing some crazy stuff in continually rehabbing these major injuries. Uh, what was your input at that time? I'll answer your question too. First, um, everybody told me I was crazy. <laughs> Family kept saying, you, you, you're nuts. You, you're going to feel this, you know, when you're older. And then again, you know, you kind of go through and, and different time. And I think you said that earlier, it was just a different time. Sure. Um, that same injury now, might have had me out for I don't know six eight months and back at it and yeah. a stronger knee than ever, um, you know. And that's technology, yep. you know. And and it's it's the science of medicine that you know that all changes. So, but in terms of of the support, the support just came from the guys that I knew from 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 um, from bombers who just kept saying, you know, you're there, just keep working at it. Yeah. Uh, the lacrosse guys were really good. They they never said you got to quit. You know, um, so my peers were my support. Right. Family was the other side. Mm. Um, and I can't say just family because I had some friends who, and 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 for the young athletes, they might understand this and, and I'm sure some of the other people will, but there's that certain, you know, the, that certain group who want to see you not succeed. Yeah. You know, and I had some of those. Oh, there's and always think- that side, right? Yeah. And, and those are the guys that really gave me the motivation because they were supposed to be my peers, yeah. you know? And, and so the more they said, you can't, the more I said, I can't. And, and so I just kept on going. Yeah. That's great for people to hear too, because it often is, you know, what could have made you quit was exactly what made you stronger. And I think, yeah. you know, and, and that's a huge quality to hang on to, which I'm sure you hang on to in your life now and in, in all of the coaching that you've done and the ups and downs through that. Now, Rick, when did the playing for you actually end and, and, and then you went into coaching or was there an overlap there? No, there really wasn't an overlap. Um, when football was done as a player, I sort of just said, okay, fine. I, I, I went back, concentrated more on lacrosse. I was playing senior men's basketball, things like that. Yep. So I, had, I still had outlets. Um, the coaching actually started in 1983, and and what it was was that Sisler was short of coaches, and a, a couple of friends were coaching at Sisler and asked me if I wanted to come back and be defensive back coach. And I figured, you know, uh, why not? I was told never to come back when I graduated. So, <laughs> and those are all different stories in themselves. <laughs> so you were going back for sure. I just I love so that. <laughs> Yeah, they, they dangled that red flag in front of me, so I was going back. So I, I went back to Sister in, in 83, and that's, you know, the coaching got into me there. I, I had been coaching lacrosse while I was playing. I was coaching um, coaching a midget and then a junior team. Okay. The junior team, we actually had some success. We went, uh, we were the first Manitoba junior team to play for a medal. Wow. You know, um, and, and we did well and, um, you know, just kept it going. And, and, and it was a lot of fun. You know, um, and I never viewed it as anything else, but, you know, it was just fun, mm-hmm. you know, but when I got back to coaching football, it, it, it became, okay, this is impact time again. You know, this is where you can influence a lot of things where you can talk to kids about being student athletes, talk to kids about their lives, talk to kids about everything. And so that, 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 that sort of just refocused me back on, on a life that I thought it, I was done with. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, gave you the avenue to be in that sport, right? It did. It yeah. did. It opened that door. And, and it's funny, you know, because you go back to coaching and I'm there in 83 and 84 and 84, we win, we win the provincials at Sisler. 
you know, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, excuse me. I was, I was DC on that team. And uh, yeah. we just, it, it's funny because they, they say that the defense took my personality, which was crazy and insane. <laughs> and I think that's a good thing. Totally. You know, and, and um, you know, it was a team that just played, we, we flew around the field on defense. So they played with Love reckless it. abandon. They knew what they had to do. They did it right. We allowed for certain certain avenues of creativity, which they had never seen before. You know, because you know, football is a structured sport, right? Mm-hmm. But there is creativity in that structure. You know, and and we 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 said go with it, do it. You know, like if you're going to bust, bust hundred percent. So they knew it. Cool. You know, mm-hmm. and um, so it, it was a lot of fun. And then uh, and it just when I left there, I went to the Hawkeyes. Mm-hmm coach there for a few years and again the same thing and with the Hawkeyes there was a lot of this the guys from Sisler but then I, we had the St. John's guys and I mean it was, a, it was a true northern team and it was just again it was uh, it was a lot of fun and I was still a young coach and, and I, I, I saw some great coaches come through and, and you learn from everybody you know that's that's the one thing that that you never stop learning right. you know I own my own company today I still never stop learning mm-hmm I, I worked under some great coaches. I got moved around in the positions I coached, which made me better, you know, got, got me to understand the game better, but we're, you know, and, and I'll go back now to, to Sisler. I got, I, I broke my ribs. So there was a portion there where, you know, you're just standing around in practice and sending, but I stood close to Frank Ryan. I listened to the things he said. Okay. And I really got to see the game in, in a different Avenue through different eyes, not a player's eyes. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was really, really an amazing experience. Yeah. And, and planted a seed maybe too, like, Ooh, you know, the coach, wow. To, to hear and to witness what he was affecting and how he was affecting it for you guys as players. Right. But now you, since yeah. you were sidelined, you got to hear that firsthand. What an inspiration. It, it was, you know what? I, I don't think people could ever understand that, you know, yeah. um, and, and again, this goes back to, okay, I, I'm not on the field. I can't, I can't feel sorry for myself because our team wouldn't accept that. Yeah. So you learn, you know, yeah. and I don't know if I was consciously doing it or subconsciously doing it, but I learned. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, you're right. It planted the seed. For sure. You know, cool. and, and so going back to coach, coach football was, was really great. And, you know, I had the benefit of, um, working with guys like Paul Bennett right after he retired, he became the head coach of the Hawkeyes, Paul Bennett, Dan Hawkeye. And they brought in, you know, some, some amazing players. So again, you learned, you know, and um, you were, you were given input. And, and so if I'm going to be given input, I'm going to make sure I know what I'm talking about. So For you sure. learned and you kept on learning. And it, it was, it was, uh, it, it was a great time again. You know, we just, just kept on going forward, you know, yeah. um, then, Cal Murphy's with the Bombers and um, we start the, uh, the, the, basically it was a senior bowl back then, you know, they used to call it the blue gold game. And and we used to have the high school guys and the midget guys in Cal got me very involved in that, in that side of it. Right. So here I am working on that for the Bombers. And now I'm being given an opportunity to be there when the Bombers practicing when they're in meetings, everything else. Right. So again, I took advantage of every opportunity that was given to me. What role were you in? Uh, Like, were you head coaching at this time when you just got to sit in with the Bombers? You know, what were you coaching at that same time? At that point, I believe I was the head coach of B-Side Eagles, their midget program. Yeah. So it was really cool, you know, um, because now I'm sitting there and and 
now I'm, I'm in there. And then Cal, of course, goes for his, um, well, Cal, for, before that, there was a, a guy that came up from, from the States. He played for the 49ers. His dad was in the NFL Hall of Fame and everything else. Gentleman by name Scott Maynard. And Scott and I became good friends. It was really interesting. Scott played at Texas El Paso. You know, he played for the 49ers, came up here, got injured. But Cal offered him, you know, scouting for, for Canadian personnel. So Scott got me involved in it. So that sort of started that avenue. We're there and then, you know, Scott leaves and uh, it goes to Toronto. But now I'm, I'm sort of encompassed with the Bombers. Cal gets his heart replacement, if you remember, his heart transplant. Yes. But he brought in a brand new coaching staff. You know, with Mike Kelly, Ron Kilcagney, Frank Spassiani, right? And sort of just, you know, uh, Urban Bowman was now the interim head coach. They sort of kept me around as an unpaid assistant, which was fine by me because I'm, I'm doing this. And I'm taking off the coach east side at the same time. Just, you know, you're, you're now sitting in the meetings. So you're sitting in quarterback meetings and, and listening to, you know, to what Kilcagney's telling the quarterbacks. And Ron was an All-American at Arkansas. So, you know, he and he had coached two All-Americans at Houston. So, I mean, I'm listening to him, eyes wide open, right? Frank Spaziani is just defensive genius. I'm sitting in their meetings and I'm just like, honestly, I think I'm drooling at times. I bet. I bet. And just taking this all in. Was there ever a time, Rick? I think it's really, I know myself as a coach, when when people are thinking about getting into coaching, sometimes what holds them back is sort of the insecurity or the belief that they don't belong in those circles. What gave you the sort of the courage and the... Uh, Sort of like, I mean, it just seems like that happened, right? Well, then I started hanging out with bombers and I started to, you know, hang out with these guys and get to listen. And, you know, was your curiosity and your knowledge that you were going to get better, stronger than any kind of thought process, like I don't belong here, that kind of thing? I think it came from from those guys because they treated me as an equal. So the thought that I never belonged there never really came to light. Yeah, the learning curve, and, and they understood I was learning a lot of things from them. But at the same time, they were learning little nuances of the Canadian game from me. Cool. So it it it, it worked out. Yeah, it worked out really well. You know, then I started. Uh, I I I worked with their. I, I was at their training camps as a guest coach for two straight years. I had left Eastside and went to the Bisons when Ron Lancaster Jr. came in. Okay. You know, so now I'm, I'm coaching running backs with, with the Bisons. And that was a different avenue because I'd been a, a, really a defensive coordinator for a lot of times, right? And, mm. you know, I hadn't touched running backs since, uh, I think, my first year with the Hawkeyes. <laughs> so so again, now it's a whole new learning curve. Yeah. And, and, and I'm learning this offense that is, that is unbelievable. And Ron Lancaster Jr. was a mad scientist. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, he, he was a mad scientist, like probably the, the, the best offensive mind. I've met a lot of them, probably the best offensive mind I've ever met in my life. Uh, he, he was an absolute genius and he just never stopped. And he, like, you know, he was that mad scientist building a Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he was just that, that amazing. So you're with him and you're learning all this stuff again. When you're with him, you're still expected to upgrade yourself. It was, it was an interesting time because, I mean, here I am. I'm, I'm, I've got a full-time job because the Bison's isn't full-time. Um, I'm leaving my job at 3.30, and they would they would basically fax over at that time the, the daily installs and the practice plan. Okay. You know, I would get to the, uh, to the U of M, to, to Butler Hut, and be on the field for 4.30 just as we were going. Not only did I coach running backs with Bison's, but I had the, uh, the, the, the punters, 
place kickers and the return men. So as we got off the field, you know, the, the team would get off the field at 6 or 6.30, I'm still on the field for another 45 minutes. And, and, and that was fine. You know, we, we did our things and, and everything else. Then I'm still expected to watch film and everything else. So you just sat there and I, I would leave Butler Hut usually around 11, 12 at night. You know, um, and you would do it during the season because you had to do it. Yeah. You know, you're at that level now and they expect you to be at that level. They expect you to be knowledgeable at that level. So again, you've got to work hard to continue to be there and to, you know, and continue to con- contribute. So we really did. While I'm at the Bisons, I now get a call from the Eskimos to come out. Do I want a guest coach out there? So I, I go to the Eskimos because I hadn't heard from the Bombers. Cal Murphy's not a forgiving guy, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> he was really mad at me. <laughs> you know, but now I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm with the Eskimos. And now, so with the Bombers, I've, I've sat with Frank Spaziani, who was, was a really defensive genius, right? Mm-hmm. Now I go to the Eskimos and I'm with Rich Stubler. I'm coaching running backs with Joe Powell as the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach and everything else, right? Ron Lancaster Sr. is, quite honestly, and you, you may appreciate this, he was like Jed Clampett. Okay. Yeah. He had this down home thing to him, but he was a very intelligent man. You know, so you, you, you're learning from these guys. But at the end of my stuff, I sat with Rich Stubler, who's the defensive coordinator, and learned from him. Hmm. Just everything. I mean, we would be up until two in the morning going through film and doing this, that, and everything else. And, and that's what you have to do if you want to get that much better. Yeah, totally. You know, so you're learning again from these guys. You're guest coaching. You're in the camp, and you're, you're supposed to be knowledgeable. And and I will tell you a story that's really, for me, is, is something I will never, ever forget. So growing up, one of my favorite players in the CFL was, was a gentleman called Jackie Parker. So Jackie Parker was a player for the Eskimos, a head coach for BC and, and everything else. And I'm sitting there one morning, and I'm having my breakfast and just kind of reviewing my my my, my day's installs and everything else. And this old guy sits down across me and goes, coach, how are the running backs doing? So, you know, I, I, I talked to this old guy for about 20 minutes and I said, well, you know what, I, I'm sorry, but I got to go. I've got to, you know, get, get ready to get on the field. And he goes to me, well, my name is Jackie Parker. Literally, I was like, I just had breakfast with one of my heroes. <laughs> and I don't think anybody can understand as, as, as a man, just the feeling that I just had breakfast with one of my heroes. You know, and, and so yeah. that was amazing. Um, it, it was a dream that, I, you know, I didn't know it was a dream until it happened to have breakfast with this man. But with the Bisons, you know, uh, Ronnie always had, had people coming in, guys like Adam Rita and everything else were coming in. And, and Adam Rita was another offensive genius. So you sat down. And, and honestly, I, I in my garage, I've got a briefcase full of napkins. Okay. You know, where you're sitting, you're sitting in a bar and we're, we're drawing plays out. Oh, and yeah. doing this and that and there's this and i'm not throwing those napkins up because they're gold absolutely you know <laughs> and, and their history and it's everything else so you know I, I i got to learn from them you know um guys like don matthews would come into town so you got to go for a drink with them right and sit down and talk football with these guys and pick their brain the the, the portion of never stop learning was always there never did i think i was you know i was at their level because i knew i wasn't so everything I learned from them, you know, as I'm coaching and, and I leave the Bisons and um, helped out here and there again, because business wise, you know, I, I just wasn't coaching then, you know, but as you're coaching, you're still taking all this stuff down. You're passing on all this stuff to these kids you're coaching and talking to the kids about those experiences of this is what you can become. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and you learn a lot of different things, right? And, and, and you just, you pick up things. And, and we talked to kids about, there's a basketball coach at Temple. He had a, he had a, a saying that he gave, you know, on his playbook to his team. And it was S equals S squared. And what it was, was success equals sacrifice and suffering. So I really got guys to understand that. Right. You know, if you want to be that guy, then this is what you have to do. So on the Friday nights, when your buddy's going out to party, maybe you got to stay home and, you know, and study because you got that test on Monday and you got a game on, you know, whenever. Right. So really started talking to kids about that Mm -hmm. and, and, and getting to, to see what the big picture was like that, you know, football is only a means to the end, you know, that if you can get, a, you know, you can get a scholarship and an education paid for by football, then take it. Right. You know? and, and, and we would talk to kids about the reality of percentages. How many kids make the CFL? How many kids go to college? How many kids this and that? Right. Yeah. But we talked about what you're learning here. You will apply going forward. You yeah. know, the discipline in life, you know, and, and you may not be a football star, but, but what you're going to be is you're going to be a father. Yep. You're going to be a family man. You're going to be a member of your community. And everything you learn here is what's going to help you there. You know, so now we're starting to talk to the kids about this stuff. You know, um, another old saying that we always used to tell them was nothing is impossible to the willing mind. You know, and, and you know, so kids going, well, I, I can't. Can't's not a word. Can't is not a word. Right. You know, you have to believe you can do this to the best of your ability. You don't have to be perfect at it, but do it to the best of your ability. So it's not impossible. You can do it. Yeah. You know, so these are things that we started getting out to the kids. And, and, and those, those, those are the things that we tried to make guiding principles. And, and make no mistake, I mean, I wanted every kid I coached to go to the next level. Sure. But I also had realities. I mean, we had a kid at Garden City I coached who was a rocket scientist. Yeah, he's so smart. You know, (laughs) he didn't know left from right, but he was so smart. But you know what? He bought into everything and gave me a hundred percent on every play. And I I talked to kids, and I I don't know how many times you heard it as as a player, you know, where the old coaches will say, Well, you're gonna give me 110%. Well, you and I both know that's physically impossible. That's right. Absolutely. You know, you 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 don't have 110%, you have hundred percent. Do you do you increase that hundred percent? Yeah, you can. By getting better, by getting stronger, by getting mentally and physically tougher. Mm-hmm. But you only have 100% to give. So we made sure kids understood that. Do what you can do. We'll go from there. So that's always been the fun part. That's been the rewarding part. You know what I love about the, uh, the S equals S squared is, and I think it's great for... I think of the parents that are hearing this today, Rick, and I think about, you know, we don't want our, oh, well, we, we're a little bit, we're a little bit afraid to have our kids have any suffering. And we, you know, I don't know, sacrifice, it's sort of taken on this negative tone in our society. And I don't think kids understand it always anymore. And, and, you know, and kids always want, they want what they've seen some of us have. Well, you won that championship. I want to do that too. And then you sort of want to ask them, really? Do you really want that? Do you really want what we had all year? Yeah. To, uh, to accomplish that championship. And so I love that you still, you bring that into your, your teaching and your coaching and, and that it's a positive thing. And I think the more we can sort of preach this and share this message of, you know, that's what leads you to success inside and out, not just the gold medals. We're not talking about championships. Yeah. We're talking about the real stuff, the real success of life. And I really appreciate that you brought that to us in that story. So now, now tell me, Rick, in all of this guest coaching you were doing and all of this, that you were like, you're just like 
taking all of this in, all this information, all this learning. And at the same time, were you already, had you already sort of, you know, started, uh, you know, in that head coaching role at Garden City and had, where were you at in terms of coaching here in Manitoba? A lot yeah. of it overlapped. While I was guest coaching, I'm coaching at the Bisons and everything else. And then like I say, as I finished with the Bisons, what I did do was, you know, um, earlier we talked about Brian Marks. Well, Brian was the head coach at St. John's. Right. Um, you know, I would drop by and help him out whenever I could. Business-wise, I, I was really committed to my career at this point in time. Okay. But, you know, I still wanted to kind of be involved. Yeah. So, you know, it, it just became, I will still be involved. I'll do this. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was accepted. I couldn't be there full time. You know, um, I would stop at a nomads practice. I knew some of the coaches, well, can you work with our quarterbacks? Can you do this? Can you do that? And, and it was always fun. And it was never, you know, it was never um, an issue of commitment that way. Right. You know, whenever I could, I would. Then what happened was Garden City was starting their program. And in between that, my youngest son was, um, was, a, was a pretty fair goaltender and, and really kind of, you know, pushing himself. And I was a goalie in hockey. So, you know what? I spent a lot of time, just him and I going to his practices, his games and everything else. And, and so that was a lot of fun. Sure. You know, and, and uh, you know, with, 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 uh, with Nick, it was always, we never talked to his father's son. We talked to his two goalies. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> and it was cool, you know, and yeah. it, it, it was a different relationship. Yeah. Um, but we, 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 you know, so you had all that going. But then Garden City came up, you know, where they were coming into uh, the high school football league and they needed a head coach. Oh, I forgot one other time. Well, Nick decided when he was at Garden City, he wanted to play football. Okay. Um, but Garden City didn't have a team at that point. So he went to the Nomads. Ah, okay. So with the Nomads, um, I went out and watched the first couple of practices and kind of going, these boys need some help. <laughs> That's what often sucks coaches in because they just, they say, oh, I don't really have time and I'm, but then you see a team that really needs you and you step on in and that's what you did, eh? That's what I did. And I kind of, okay. So sat down with their offensive coordinator at the time and we started going through stuff and, and it just ended up like, I ended up coaching that team full time. Of course you uh, did. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, you know, again, rewarding because yeah. That was a team that made the playoffs. Nobody gave them a shot. They made the that, playoffs. It's amazing. You know, and, and, and the kids started believing in themselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they did well. It's a you great know, feeling. And, um, yeah, it was a great feeling. And then Garden City got, got the program. And yeah. um, Steve Medwick was the principal. And I, you know Steve. Yeah. So he talked to me about, um, about going over there. You know, I was sort of, I don't know. And, and, and Brian Marks is head coach of St. John's. When you got to take on that program. Yeah. You really got to take on that program. I think, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And uh, so we took on that program. And I don't know if the kids actually knew what they were getting into, but Garden City became the first program to go from A to AAA in three years. Wow. So every year, boom, boom, boom. Every year, boom, boom, boom. Um, our first year in A, we lost in the semifinals on a really weird scenario we won't get into. <laughs> you know, um, but probably should have won the A division in our first year. Our second year, we went to the finals in double A and we lost to that Sturgeon team that had LaFrance and Coombs and Ryan Marsh. And they, they, they were, they were a powerhouse team and we lost to them. And then we went into triple A, you know, and um, we lost to Churchill in the quarters and, but we, we grew and those kids grew each, each year. They, you know, the guys who bought into everything we talked about, they grew. Amazing. 
you know, um, and, and that was the thing. And, you know, I talk about the, the, the kid that was a rocket scientist. His dad was the doctor. His mom was a pharmacist. His younger brother was invited to some economics conference in South America. Like, I mean, this family was geniuses, right? Yeah. Uh, but dad, I ran into dad and he, he thanked me for giving his son a different experience, you know, and, and something that showed him that there was not just academics, but there was a different and positive experience and things. Right. Yeah. And, and that was worth it. Yeah. You know, just when they talk to you about that, when, when you see the kids, you know, well, they're not kids now, they're, they're young men, they're 30, 30 years old and, and you know, 31. Um, but you see them, they talk and, and it's, it, it, it's a great time. Same, you know, all my players, I'm able to talk to them. You know, it's not, uh, you know, I coach you, you're gone. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's an established relationship now. Yeah, for uh, sure. So, so with Garden City, it, it really was, um, it really was an interesting time. The team, like I say, we, I think we brought a different culture to the school. We brought the fighting gophers back, not just Garden City gophers. We brought the fighting <laughs> gophers back, you know, yeah. all our gear had fighting gophers on it. Awesome. You know, and it's really hard to come up with a picture of a rabid gopher. You know, it's brought this cult, uh, this culture to the school. And, and the, the kids now became immersed in it. Hmm. And in terms of, it wasn't just the players. The whole school bought into it. It was nothing for us to have, you know, our, our first game against West Godonan. In fact, well, actually our first preseason scrimmage a week before school started had 200 people there. Wow. You know, our first game had something like 800 people. And it just grew, you know, the following year we played Maples in the homecoming game at Garden City where we had a live band, you know, we had people having, you know, they were having um, tailgate parties and everything else. So the school bought into it. We were, we were the show. Hmm. Um, and, and it was really good. Yeah. They, they, they understood the culture of it and, and the players understood what they were. You got all this going on. So, you know, when they buy into a culture like that, the players are, 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 are viewed differently. Right. Mm -hmm. But again, this is grounding the players going, Hey, who, what do you represent? Who do you represent? Yeah. What do you have to do? You know? And, and we would talk about the responsibility to each other. And we would talk about the responsibility to the school, to the community. And they all understood it. And that was, you know, to me, that was the best thing that we could ever have. happen. And again, going beyond sport within the realm of sport and learning that from sport and the community of your school, just an incredible influence that was. And so you're enjoying this time as a high school coach and that's yeah. all going well, but you went beyond that. I mean, uh, your time as commissioner, where did that fit into the picture? And, and what was that decision like? Cause sometimes to go into the office of, of, you know, an organization where you have enjoyed being a part of it. Uh, not nearly everyone does that. Maybe lead us through that part of your story. So the league was 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 fairly strong, but it was just kind of there. Paul Normando was uh, was the commissioner at the time, and uh, Paul just kind of stepped down. And so we were kind of sitting there talking, Stacey Dander, Kelsey McKay, myself, and that. And it was sort of, at this point in time, the league needed a different direction. It needed a business direction, you know, because it was a good league, but nobody knew it. Nobody mm -hmm. knew of, of the Winnipeg High School Football League, except for Winnipeg. We weren't getting a lot of, you know, a lot of scouts here. We weren't getting a lot of guys, you know, here, there, anywhere else, right? And the beauty, well, the, the, the one thing I'm very proud of is I became the first commissioner who wasn't an educator. So that was really different, you know, and so that's what people didn't understand. And, and you know, like you say, there, 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 were, there were differences of opinion with, with, uh, 
with Winnipeg won on a few things. But we started running, promoting the league and doing things that, that you know, these, these, these kids need this opportunity to go to the next level, be it junior, be it university, whatever. But let's give them the opportunity. But the only way we can do that is to market them. So mm-hmm. that in my, my business life, I've got a marketing background. And so we started doing that. You know, we reestablished, you know, all, all the um, channels of communication with, with media, both both uh, print and, and television and radio. You know, uh, we, we got them interested in us again, right? Um, we had those things happen. And, and quite honestly, I can tell you, it wasn't an overnight thing. I mean, we played Thursdays and Fridays, you know, every Thursday, Friday, the one thing I, I knew I had to do was be visible. So I would be... At, at three to four games every Thursday, every Friday, you know, like I would just, okay, I'll hit this part of the city today. And these are the games that are out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started doing that. Cool. So that, that people saw the commissioner. Yeah. You know, and they could talk to you. You weren't just a spaceless thing anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and people bought into it. Right. Yeah. Um, everybody sort of just started buying into what we were doing and how we were selling it and how we were marketing it. Right. Yeah. Uh, we wanted everybody to have that pride in what they did, the schools. Right. Uh, and it wasn't just that it, it now became a different life of its own also, because now you're, you're, you're there, you, you've got this visibility and, and, you know, some may say it was a soapbox, but that, that soapbox allowed us to talk to kids about, you know, responsibilities about, you know, what, you know, don't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we, we adapted a model of one kid at a time, right? Mm-hmm. Which meant that in places like like uh, Elmwood and, and, and Daniel Mack and Ted Falk and that, every kid that we recruited, every kid that we got to play was a kid who didn't go to the gangs. You know, and, and we, we, we pushed that really hard and we sold our success stories. You know, so for every kid of ours that went out to university and got drafted, man, the media was swarmed with stuff for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like literally a- after those Thursdays and Fridays, by the way, I went back to my office so I could do all the scores, do all the standings, have everything done, have it to the media on time, you know, have it to the coaches on time. So everything was there now. So it was a lot of hard work for six years. Yeah. It never got any easier. Right? That I will tell you. Um, but it got easier in, in, in one way is that, again, we like when I took over as commissioner, we were a triple A driven league, but we had. 18 other teams and we had to establish a voice for those 18 other teams right mm. so now everybody's got a scene in what goes on so our our league meetings we ran as business meetings you know and and we we got people understanding we started establishing committees and if you're going to be on a committee you're going to work yep you know and and guys bought into it it was great because it, it, we just got it I mean, at one point, the one thing I, I take absolute pride in is that you have 186 jobs in the CFL, I believe, that are Canadian. We had 18 guys in the CFL from our league. 18. Wow. And that's that was amazing. That's amazing. You know, um, and, 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 you know, so the press knew it. You know, like, we would send out exhibition games. Guys got drafted. Exhibition games. Hey, there's this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy is playing for this team tonight. Yeah. You know, and we just kept little things going. Um, I made myself accessible. You know, if, if CGOB called and said, hey, we need to do an interview with you in an hour, are you good? Yeah, I'm good. You know, the only time it, was, it, it might have been a downside was I was doing something I told the kids not to do, and that's drive and talk. <laughs> and I was coming back from Brandon. <laughs> they called as I passed a, an RCP cruiser. Oh, boy. 
Thankfully, he must have been listening to CGOB and gave me a break. <laughs> but, you know, Rick, the perspective you bring and, and what you brought to that that commissioner's position. Um, and and um, I mean, you've just explained that so well and, and how. But maybe what stands out for me the most is you not only implemented certain ways of doing things and, and all of that, but. You put your money where your mouth is, man. Like when, you know, I think a lot of people say, I wish we had more coverage or I wish people would know about us. And you were willing to put in the time and make yourself available to be the one that spread the word. And that's a great example for all of us that um, there's no magic answer to success and to really reaching the top of your game, no matter what that game happens to be. And uh, you've been willing to do that through it all, Rick. And I think that that's just been proven and you've really affected so many people that have been around you and so much of this great game of football. Now, Rick, you're going back. Uh, into the coaches circle, I hear. And yes. <laughs> uh, so that that's a big decision. I mean, you're still <clears throat> you're still very young, but um, you're going back to coaching. Tell us about that now. Talk about 2021, <laughs> the season. <laughs> well, it's going to be an interesting one. I uh, <laughs> going back to Garden City again. Yes. And, and we we had preliminary meetings with the team and, and we talked to the guys and, and we we told them what to expect. Right. You know, um, I, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a disciplinarian. I'm a hard ass. You will be in shape, this, that, and everything else. Um, but you'll have fun. You know, I, I'm looking and I'm a little concerned, you know, at, 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 at position wise and numbers, but you know, we, we talked to the team and, you know, because in the meeting, they're kind of looking around at the numbers too. And I said, look, what you have to understand, we're in a tough boat, make yeah. no mistake about it, but 48 other teams are in that same boat everybody's in that same boat. We have no feeder system coming up. We have to do this from within now, guys. So you have to really want to be part of this. Hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, they got uh, they got an email from me yesterday telling them that uh, for the next few weeks, every Tuesday, Thursday, we have a conditioning camp. Okay. So we'll see how much they buy into it. <laughs> but I'm really, I'm looking forward to the challenge. This one will be a, a shorter one. Uh, you know, Garden City needs to find... Um, get get somebody in the school that is a football coach bo wilkes is, is still there bo's got a young family he's doing a lot of things he's still going to continue with the jv program but they just need to get another football guy in that school that can that can take over and run it so I, i'm figuring you know a couple of years should just about be it that'll take me a long time that'll be like almost 60 years in the game incredible you know? um and, and it'll be It'll be fun. Like I say, you know what? The game did what I, I, I did seven years on the board of Football Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing. I never saw myself being on the national board like that. Yeah. You know, um, but still there. Yeah. You know, or, or, or was there and, and might end up being back there from what I understand. So <laughs> as long as kids want to be there, they want to be on that field. I was really lucky because I had a coach who believed in me and, and saw things in me. So as long as there's kids out there, I'll believe in them and, and look for those positives in them and, awesome. and try to give them that whole play it forward experience. I think that's probably the most important thing I can ever say. You know, I, I got breaks because somebody believed in me. Um, and and it, it doesn't discount the fact we worked hard, we trained hard, you know, but somebody believed in me. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and kept me on the straight and narrow. 
For sure. And I, I just think like I'm hearing from you, you have a relationship with your kids, you believe in them. And when you give them that kind of confidence, the pushing is just encouragement. I, I want people to hear that in that light. It goes beyond the running and the push-ups and the whatever, which might be super hard, but that's what it is. It's the belief that all that you expect of them gives them that belief because they're worth the expectation. Uh, I have, I have a Rick, we could talk forever, but I I have a few questions to end here uh, that have come from, you know, within pro prep Academy and, and they wanted me to ask you a couple of questions. And I think these will sum up things pretty nicely. And uh, the first one is uh, if you could sum up the sport of football in three words, what would they be and why? In three words. Yeah, it's a tough one. (laughs) Actually I can do it in one word. That would be trust because you have to trust who you are. You have to trust the people beside you. Mm-hmm. You have to see those people for nothing but players mm-hmm. and, and, and know that they've got your back and you've got their back mm-hmm. and that they will do their job and you have to do your job. So trust is the biggest word I can use at this point in time. Awesome. If you could attend a home game at any pro stadium, where would it be and why? Wow. Has to be pro. Well, that's that's the question. Yep. Because I had to take it Alabama in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. College for sure. Yeah. Um, any any pro stadium? Yeah. Really? I think I, I think I, IG Field. And why is because it's 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 the commitment that the bombers have to our community as well. You yeah. know, it's it's the it's the, the belief that that stems from way down that the Canadian kid is just as good as the American kid, you know? And, and I think, you know, people, people watch the bombers and they talk about this and everything else. What they don't realize is that Wade, Kyle, Mike Shea, we're talking about quality Canadian kids who came up through a system and had to face that challenge of you're Canadian, you know? And when you've got American coaches, you know, I got an American, I got a Canadian, I got to keep this guy because we're racial, but they don't realize that guy's good. There's that, um, it's just the inference. So I, I would go with Winnipeg just because of what they've done to, to, to showcase Canadians and Canadian talent. Awesome. As a coach, what's more important to you, passion or talent? Passion. Passion. I can build the talent. But if you don't want to get better, if you want to play this game, it doesn't matter how talented you are. You're not going to be good. Man, if you needed a definition for a hero in our midst, I think we just nailed it today. I think, um, I know you don't call yourself a hero, but you mean just that you've immersed yourself in, in not just a sport, but in the lives of the people that play it and love it and are in it. And it's become your community and you have become its. I just think I, I want to thank you for that. I think you've inspired others to be willing to give like that. And I think that you've shown us that, it always goes beyond sport when you get involved. I'm just impressed you're getting you're getting back into that head coaching seat, and whether it's for a long time or a short time, it's still impressive, my friend. That, and- that might be the definition of insanity. <laughs> well, a little bit of crazy goes a long way. It goes so. a long way. You and I will agree to that one. <laughs> We'll take as much of the of the crazy part of Rick as we can get for as long as we can get it. And uh, we thank, thank you, you for for giving us your time today on the podcast. It's been My a pleasure. Hoot. Thank you for having yeah. me on uh, yeah. again. I, I'm honored because I just I don't view it that way. I just you do what you do and we benefit from it. And uh, and we know that's that's the great part. You get it in return. And so thank you again for all you've done and, and for inspiring us today. That was a really a lot of fun. So thank you very much for having me uh, again. 
I'm honored.